Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, How can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com. That's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com. And use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Crack Rackets draw preview for the 2021 U.S. Open. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the women's singles draw. Should be a very fun two weeks of action in New York. Of course, Ashley Barty playing the best tennis of her career. She's the favorite entering the event. Worth remembering, Naomi Osaka, though, she's won the last two Grand Slams on hard court. She's certainly one of the many players that will test Barty on the show. We're going to talk about the best first-round matchups, the seeds on upset alert, the dark horse players you should be watching for and so much for it is of course Crack Racket's favorite Jamie McDonald joining me on today's show to do just that so without further ado Westoff roll the credits let's get to our draw preview Joining us on the show today to help break down the women's singles draw at the 2021 U.S. Open, you know him as our Crack Rackets do everything. A former Denison tennis great, a rising coach in the college tennis ranks, of course, the head coach of the men's and women's team at Rockhurst. It's our friend James Foster McDonald. Jamie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Good, man. Just another year getting excited for the U.S. Open. I feel like we've done this drop review so many times now, but it's really only been a few of them. I think we just we've got it down to a science. So happy to do it again. There's no doubt about that. Of course, it is the final Grand Slam of 2021. It's crazy to say that, Jamie. It's you know, you think back to, I guess, even six months ago, there was so much uncertainty surrounding the Australian Open, all the players flying down there, having to be in the bubble, quarantining for a couple of weeks while trying to train. We thought there was no way after that we were going to get a full tennis calendar. And yet, We got Atlanta. We got the City Open. We got Los Cabos. We obviously got the two Masters events in Canada and Cincinnati as well. It's been a full schedule here. San Jose was played, uh, of course, on the women's side. Cleveland, Chicago over these past couple of weeks. We have gotten to see feels like a full schedule of action and as tennis fans that's all we could ask for coming off of the pandemic season entering here in 2021 with all of that said despite all of the tennis we've seen Jamie 
uncertainty is the name of the game in particular when you're discussing the women's singles draw as we are today. I have some stats for you before we get into our action, before we play a quick game of Guess the Lines, break down all of the draw, but you look at the events we've seen thus far on the WTA Tour this season. There have been 44 different events, Jamie, 31 different winners. Only six players have won multiple titles. You have Ashley Barty with five, Barbara Krejcikova with three. You then have Kasikina, Sviantek, uh, Sabalenka, and Danielle Collins, each with two titles. Parody's been the name of the game. And I guess my first question to you before we get into the nitty-gritty of the draw, do you expect anything different here over the next two weeks in New York? I mean, I think we always tend to look at the majors and say, okay, who has really risen above? So Ash Barty having those five titles. Okay, yeah, there's a couple of solidified favorites at the top. But outside of a couple of those people, do we expect everything in this draw to go chalk? Absolutely not. We've seen it time and time again where, yeah, someone's favored in a first round or a second round match that looks pretty pedestrian, looks like it should be pretty straightforward, and it's just not. So I would say up until a point, 100%. But I will say coming into this, you mentioned Osaka. You know, it doesn't seem like she has the momentum, but you think about the last couple of hardcore slams, as you mentioned, Ash Barty been in phenomenal form with what she's been able to do at pretty much any level of event she plays. It's interesting, right? So I think under those top few contenders, absolutely. I think anything can happen. We'll see a lot of scrambling around in results. Um, but at the top, I, I do still expect some of those favorites, and particularly Ash Barty, to remain at the top and, and potentially push through to another title here. And with that in mind, Jamie, I want to turn to our friends at DraftKings, play a little game of Guess the Lines, because I do think it's interesting to see where odds makers have the favorite set right now in terms of entering this 2021 U.S. Open in the women's singles event. They have two, I'll say, rather prohibitive favorites before a big drop-off in the lines. Now, I have them in front of me. You do not. So let's play a little guessing game, Jamie. Who do you think right now are the top two prohibitive favorites? What do you think their odds are as well? So I'm guessing that the top two are Ash Barty and Osaka. That is correct. Barty, Osaka, number one. Can you guess who's one, who's two, what the odds are? I would put Barty as one, maybe plus 310. Okay. I'm going to make you guess the other one before I give you the answer. Plus, and then let's say plus 400 for Osaka. So, Barty, you nailed it. Plus 330 right now. She is your number one favorite. Bravo. Hey, great shot to you. Two is Osaka. Plus 600. So, there is some hesitancy around her that probably has to do with the fact that Which is valid. Yeah, she just hasn't played a lot of matches here in 2021. Now, having watched the way Jill Teichman ripped through that Western Southern draw, I actually thought the three-set loss from Osaka, she played well, she served poorly. And I actually think that's worth noting because Teichman was outstanding and Osaka before the final came closest to beating her. And I think if Osaka makes even 53% of her first serves instead of the 48 49% she was at, she probably wins that match. And, you know, again... We saw her come in. No one had match play, but neither did she, and she ripped through the U.S. Open last year. We saw her do the same thing in Australia this fall. That plus 600 number is awfully tasty. It's tempting. It's tempting, especially because I do feel like of everything we know about the WTA Tour right now, the single most dominant force still in my mind is Naomi Osaka when she plays her best on a hard court. Now, that said... 
seven and one versus the top ten, fourteen and one versus the top twenty. It also is pretty tough to doubt Ashley Barty. I think those are your two favorites. We talked about it in our contenders podcast, but I don't know Osaka plus six hundred. I agree with you. I think that's too high. Yeah, I, th- I was expecting in the four hundreds, maybe a plus five hundred at the top, but no, so that seems a little high. But again, I, I, I don't know if I would take it. Mm-hmm. Can put you it feel- that way? That I I agree. Well, plus six hundred. It's, it's, it's tempting, but again, yeah. Anyway. I would. I might bet on both and just ride with that from there. But can you fill out the rest of the top five? And I'll say this: there are seven people top uh, tied in the top five. Okay, seven tied in the top five. Yeah. How's that even? So because it's there are top. three people tied for fifth. Okay, got it. Um, okay, next I would say Sabalenka. Sabalenka plus fourteen hundred, which is a big drop off. That is a huge drop off. Uh, Pliskova. Pliskova is tied for fifth plus seventeen hundred. So there's someone else in there. There is someone sandwiched in between. A surprising someone. Yeah. Hmm. Who would be that high up? I uh, know. I was surprised by this name. This is the one that stood out to me, even at these odds. Which, by hmm. the way, reflect she's plus sixteen hundred. People don't really think she's going to win it. Hmm. I honestly don't know. I, Simona yeah, I don't know. Halep. Simona Halep plus sixteen hundred. Hey, that she's, is, she's what the twelve seed. Something like that sounds about right. That's. I mean, that's that's surprising. I would say doesn't she? She has a pretty tough little section of the draw. I think, I think first, too. She might have Cerebes Tormo first. No, round. she has Georgie first round. That's what Georgie, it is. who we just saw on a roll. So yeah, that's tough. Yeah, oh. that's, that's interesting. It's certainly interesting. interesting. And we'll get into quarter winners as we break through each section yeah. of the draw. You're tied for fifth. Krechikova, Sviantek, and Pliskova all at plus seventeen hundred. So again, that's a broad framework. Our girl Garbine Muguruza plus twenty five hundred. That's the value bet. That's the one to me. Like as I'm looking down this list. What do you think of these value bets? I take Muguruza twenty-five to one. I'll take Danielle Collins thirty to one. You're throwing money away. Am I? If Danielle Collins plays her best tennis for two weeks, can she win this event? Yeah, but that's what you could say that about half the draw. <laughs> that's a good point. I'm, but thirty to or yeah, thirty to one. I'm I've spent a dollar in a worse way. Um, but no, it's again, it, it speaks to the parody, and these are all things we previewed, of course, over the course of the week on the Great Shot podcast. And again, that's just a more broad framework, what we're going to do now. Go through each section of the draw here as we look at this 2021 U.S. Open Women's Singles event. We're going to answer four questions in each section of the draw. We're going to talk about the most interesting first-round matchups. We're going to give the seeds we have on upset alert. We're going to talk about the dark horses we think can make a run throughout the course of these two weeks in New York. And then, of course, it's a preview podcast. We're going to give our predictions for each quarter. Again, we're going to break down the Barty section, Pliskova section, Osaka section, and Sabalenka over the course of this next uh, podcast. So, of course, if you want to skip ahead, you can do that. We're going to go from top to bottom here throughout the course of the draw. With that said, Jamie, let's start at the top with number one seed, Ashley Barty. Look for Barty. I mean, we've said the stats so frequently here over the course of the past week. I have them memorized at this point. She's made, you know, won five titles, made six finals in 12 total events here this season. She's won titles 
titles on clay courts, hard courts, grass courts. It's her and Mukova, the only two players this season to have made quarterfinals at multiple Grand Slam events. Of course, we saw how dominant she was over the course of her run to the Western Southern Open title. Right now, she has a 3,000-point lead, Jamie, in the WTA rankings, and it's not like she's got 4,000 and everyone else is trailing behind. No, she's got over 10,000 points. She is the prohibitive number one player in the world. You look at the other seeds joining her in her section of the draw for Ashley Barty. She's got uh, as her top eight seed in her section, number seven seed, Iga Sviantek. They've also got Annette Conteve, your 28 seed, Jess Pegula, 23 Olympic gold medalist, Belinda Bencic, number 11. You've got Jennifer Brady, who of course, Australian Open finalist, your number 13 seed, Mukova, 22, Kudermatova, 29. You'll say this about every section, and looking at these WTA draws, particularly the first rounds now, you can laugh and be like, if we just got to see all of these matches spread out over six days, would honestly be a pretty good tournament. But Jamie, you look at this section of the draw, I suppose we start just with the most interesting matchups here. What caught your eye right away? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. This quarter is not my favorite for first-round matches, uh, but the one that speaks to me right off the bat is Mukova and Cerebes Tormel. Um, I, I think if you're going to pick one first-round match to watch that might actually have implications for later in the tournament as well, uh, I, I think that's the one you got to circle. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good one. There are plenty of good ones you look through this. I think from you know the young name standpoints, one of the storylines people will inevitably hear, Emma Raducanu. Uh, she's taking on Jennifer Brady. You look for Raducanu, who made the fourth round of Wimbledon. She just made a big run uh, it through qualifying to get into her first U.S. Open here. She's taking on an injured Jennifer Brady. And we know when Jennifer Brady plays her best on a hard court, she can compete with and beat the very best in the women's game. But she's not at her best right now. She isn't healthy. And so I think that's a match you have on upset alert. I would also say Serana Kirstea. I think she's one of like eight people who have made the third round at all three majors this year. And I know that's a very specific category, but she's been consistent throughout the first week of the Grand Slams. That's how you sustain yourself a top 50 ranking. That's how you make a living. And look, Kuda Matova started the season so hot on the hard court. She makes final of Abu Dhabi. She wins the event on the green clay in Charleston. She struggled since then. And so I think this is a really interesting match. If you're Veronica Kuda Matova, just get a couple of wins here here under your belt of course I mean you look up and down this draw I think a crack racket special is Iga Sviantek versus Jamie Loeb now that's a tough matchup for Iga Sviantek but Jamie Loeb former NCAA champion back into the main draw since she won or earned the wild card with that NCAA title that's obviously a match we'll be watching closely but you're right from a first round perspective it's not the most eye-popping one. Now, of course, that Cerebes Tormo matchup versus Mukova is very much eye-popping. And Cerebes Tormo now, I believe, 22-7 and seven for the season, Jamie, on hard courts. It's really freaking good. When you look at her result, it hasn't been a cupcake schedule either. But you're right. This is a section that just gets more interesting, it feels like, as the tournament will go along. Who are the seeds you're looking out for? I feel like there are a couple on upset alert here. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's the one I mentioned already, the 22-seed Mukaba. Um, I think Cerebus Tormo obviously has a difficult game for anybody to play against, um, and you start coming in, and it's, look, she's going to be looking at the draw. People are already probably going to be circling her name. She knows she's going to have a tough challenge. That's the one for me right off the bat, where I think Mukaba could be in a bit of danger here. And then, well, we'll get to this part later, but that that opens things up for Cerebus Tormo a little bit there. Obviously, you beat the seed and move into that spot. But, um, no, that, that I mean, to me, that is one of the reasons that I picked that matches first round anyways because it does have those implications because if Cerebos Tormo is able to win that I think she slides as number one into the spot of hey who's an unseated player who can make this run I think I think the answer is her yeah I, I should have mentioned by the way in our first round previews Clara Tossin versus Clara Burel the battle of the Claras those are two under 21 year olds a lot of firepower and I'm not saying either of them is going to beat Ashley Barty but if you're the winner of that match playing in the second round who will have nothing to lose in that and you can just swing freely, it is going to be really good tennis. And sometimes when I'm looking at a draw, I like to try and map out the storylines moving forward. What would be the storyline if this result were to emerge? The storyline of Clara Tossin, who has won two WTA titles this year, who is a former world junior number one, beat Jennifer Brady last year, first round of the French Open. I'm not saying she's going to beat Ashley Barty, but the idea of her pushing her to a 7-6 first set or just playing a close second round match, I think that's something to keep an eye on. And Burel as well, when she's firing from the baseline, she just gives you problems. And so, you know, certainly, I mean, when Barty's playing plus one with her forehand, it's a little more difficult on the serve, but you're going to have chances to hold serve against Ashley Barty. So that's an early round matchup. I'm certainly watching. I already mentioned Kirstea against Kudermatova. That's upset alert. If Jill Teichman plays even 75% as well as she did in Cincinnati in New York, that second round matchup potentially with Annette Conteve is one that absolutely needs to be circled as someone uh, that is an upset alert. And that kind of leads us to the dark horses here. I mean, we just saw what Teichman was able to do in Cincinnati, Jamie. I think she's the one you circle right away, right, as someone who could absolutely blow up this section of the draw. Yep, Teichman and Cerebus Tormo are the two um, that I wrote down for this because, I mean, yeah, I, again, as you mentioned it, we already saw a really nice level of tennis displayed from Teichman. Now, do we always see the tennis that's in lead-up tournaments in the U.S. Open Series mirrored? right when we get to a major no right and, and that you know that of course that is still remain to be seen however like you mentioned if she plays even close to that level i mean you saw what she was able to do obviously once she got you know to the final is a little bit different but again that level of tennis yeah she's 100% got to be one of the unseated ones who you could potentially see moving through here and hey it's it's a wta uh, grand slam draw there's always going to be somebody who sneaks through so why not her what about shelby rogers who's got madison brangle first round that's a significant power advantage to shelby she then would play the winner of that kirstea kudermatova match if you forecast an upset there or even if you don't shelby's got the firepower if she plays her best she can match up with anyone and then just her serve her first forehand Obviously, the Ashley Barty backhand slice backhand return has improved monumentally this year. She's a top 20 club player. She's top 20 now in break percentage. She's number two in hold percentage. All of her success speaks for itself, but Shelby Rogers is one of those players, Jamie. It does feel like when she plays her best, again, she's going to get you to a tiebreaker. She's going to hit her way through some – just hit her way into some into some leads, quite frankly. And again, when you're playing world number one Ashley Barty, who's got all of the pressure in that match – that's an interesting one. I, I do think Shelby's a player who can make a sort of run. 
Yeah, potentially. I, I will say I would expect if Rodgers gets through the first round that Kudermatova would still be favored in that second round matchup, hypothetically. But still, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, and there are also a couple of young players. I already mentioned Radikainu, who has Jennifer Brady on upset alert, but that whole section, uh, Haley Baptiste, talented young American as well. Claire Liu has been one of the rising stars this season. She's into the top 100. She's got Suwe C in her first-round match. She wins that. She would play the winner of Cerebez, Tormo, and Mukova. I think that's the section where things get funky, Jamie. I also think... It's interesting we've gone this far in this section. We haven't said one word about Olympic gold medalist, 2019 semifinalist, a player who has so many points to defend here in these final few months of the 2021 season. That's Belinda Bencic. And I actually thought Bencic, despite losing that, what was it, quarterfinal, semifinal? I think it was quarterfinal match to Teichman in Cincinnati. I think she's playing confidently again. There's a freedom and just, you know, again, her game is predicated see ball, hit ball big. Fantastic ball striker, not the most fluid mover, but when she strikes fire, she can go on a run. And I know she's not a dark horse per se in this section, but it does feel like for an Olympic gold medalist, and perhaps this is just a byproduct of how many names have made runs here. I mean, we just had a Georgie title, as you mentioned, for God's sake. Like, Benchich a little underrated coming into this event? I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily underrated, but I overshadowed? guess you could say. You're right, overshadowed. Sure, sure, yeah. But again, it's just there's so many different things to talk about. I mean, yeah, I think best case scenario here, I mean, she has a pretty good draw. First couple of rounds, I think the first real test for her should be that potential third round against Pegula. Um, but she's got to be happy with where she's sitting in the draw. And yeah, Benchich, a legitimate contender. I mean, that's the thing is you can sit here and talk about pretty much um, anyone in here and make a case for them. So that's just, that's just simply the way it is. And we know that Benchich can play at that highest level. Uh, do I see her coming out of this quarter as the one left standing? No. Uh, but yeah, hundred percent deep run can be made by Belinda Benchich. So with all of that said, let's get to the predictions. Ashley Barty's section of the draw. We haven't said anything about Iga Sviantek as well. Iga 28 and 10 here in 2020. You look at the losses she's taken this season. I think her only losses to, uh, to a player outside the top 30, she lost once to Anaconia uh, in Miami, who's certainly coming back from injury, played at a top 30 level earlier in her career. Ekaterina Alexandrova was top 30 at the time Sviantek lost to her, has since, uh, felt, I believe, fallen just outside of that top 30 range. But, I mean, Iga's been rock solid. You've got it had to have been really good to beat her. And you look at that section, Conteve, who's four or fifteen and one against players outside the top fifty, but is like I think eight and twelve or something not great against players inside the top fifty. Teichman's in the section. A lot of names, a lot of challenges. Who you got? Yeah, I, I mean, I think ultimately it's all just going to come down to Ash Barty. Um, and I have her advancing through this. I mean, she's the favorite for a reason. We've seen her display that top level of tennis. Her variety and her game style gives people trouble, even though, I mean, look, they may be finding rhythm and coming up with great matches. And then you get to Ash Barty and it's completely different. I mean, look what happened with Jill Teichman, right? She was playing really well, had great rhythm. Sure, there's fatigue there and there's a lot of other factors, but you get to the final and Ash Barty and it's just, it's just another beast. Um, and so that also tells me that she's in really good form. Um, so I think at this point, you just have to favor her no matter who she comes up against out of that bottom half of, of her quarter, right? It could be Benchich, it could be Sviantek, um, could be any number of players, Pegula perhaps, even Teichman again. But I, I think you just have to give Ash Barty the edge no matter who comes out of 
that bottom half. Who are you going with for the bottom half, though? I'm writing it down for our predictions just so we had it. There is a bracket challenge, by the way, circa the U.S. Open, so we should maybe get in it just you and I to see who does better. Uh, let's say uh, I'll go. I'll go Pegula. Give me an American. There that are a couple is, different. There are a couple different Americans, but let me go with Pegula. We haven't said a word about Jess Pegula. You're. Uh, I that's just a, did. No, I. That's what I'm saying. Shout out to you. That's a great prediction. I was like, this is why we have him. This is why we have him here for these draw previews. I'm jealous and sad. I didn't say that myself. Jess Pegula has made the quarterfinals of just about every major hardcore event that's been held here in 2021. Quarterfinals at both the middle. East events. I honestly think quarterfinals Miami, quarterfinals in Canada as well. She's really freaking good on hard courts. I'm going to go Benchic. Not a surprise to you. Not a surprise to our Cracked Rackets listeners. I just think she's found the confidence again in her best tennis is very, very good. It's not quite the elite of the elite in terms of power tennis, but it's pretty damn close. Again, just such a brilliant ball striker. I think she's confident right now. You look for Sviantek. I don't think Sviantek gets through her section. I think this is the first slam she loses before the fourth round, whether it is a Teichman, whether it is a Conteve. Um, I'm, I'm going to say Iga is the seed who loses early in this section. I'm going to take Barty over Bencic, but I don't feel great about it. I do think it's a trickier section for Barty than, than we think. I know she's probably going to advance through it, but I do think it is a tricky section. Give me Barty over Bencic to advance in the top quarter of the draw. That's section number one. Let's get to section number two now. Speaking of brilliant ball strikers from the center of the court, it's the Carolina Pliskova section, Jamie. And, of course, Pliskova has been so exceptional here uh, over the course of these past, I would say, month and a half. It's really since the start of the grass court season. You look for her, obviously, the final at Wimbledon. She's able to follow it up, make a final in Canada as well. Yes, it was a disappointing final against Camilla Georgie, but you look for her, the number four seed here at this U.S. Open. You look at the seeds in her section of the draw, your number six seed, 2019 defending champion, and perhaps the most unheralded storyline of this uh, 2021 home stretch, Bianca Andreescu who has so many points to defend here, an Indian Wells title, a U.S. Open title as well. She's your number six seed. She may lose first round, Jamie, as she's got one of the most dangerous players in her section first round, Victoria Golubic, one of the last one-handed backhands in the women's game, but such an explosive player. Big firepower from the baseline. That's a fascinating first-round matchup. We'll talk about more, I'm sure, shortly. You look at the other seeds in this Pliskova section. You've got the always dangerous Yelena Ostapenko, number 27, Maria Sakari, number 17. You've got Kvitova at 10, Pavlichenkova at 14, Paula Bedosa, 24, Petra Martic, number 30. Another loaded section, Jamie. When you look at the first-round matchups, what stands out to you? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, this is a little different than the Barty quarter. There's a lot of first round matches that I feel like we have to choose from as, as really entertaining ones. Um, I mean, first of all, it's going to be great to see Anisimova back in action. But look, Sinyakova against Sevastova, Ostapenko and Podoroska, Kostyuk and, and Zachary. Those three right there were the, were the top ones for me in terms of first rounders. 
I meant to mention this earlier. According to our friends at Tennis Abstract who have their draw projections, the closest first-round matchups, according to their predictions, in the top section of the draw that Ashley Barty was Storm Sanders versus Masaki Doi. They say Storm Sanders, 52.6% chance. Masaki Doi, 47.4%. Shame on us for not mentioning that one, Jamie. Yeah. Um, their second closest, though, by the way, is Mukova versus Cerebes Tormo. 55-45 split. They have Mukova favored. Entering that match, you look at this section of the draw. Definitely a little bit closer for the, for Tennis Abstract. You look number one for them. Christina Pliskova versus Danka Kavinic. Both players, Kavinic was very, very good during the clay court season. That's a 52-48 sort of split. They've got Sinyakova versus Sevastova. That's another 53-47 split. Gracheva versus Parizas. Diaz, 55-45. Anisimova versus uh, Diaz is a 56-44 sort of split. The match that sticks out to me, as you've mentioned, I mean, I, I already referred to Golubic versus Andrescu. I think Victoria Golubic straight up playing better than Bianca Andrescu this season. I think Bianca Andrescu's 13-9 and nine overall. I believe eight of those wins came at two events for her uh, here this season. Golubic's like 45-14. and 14. Victoria Golubic has played ITF-level matches. She's had success at the WTA level. She just made a big Wimbledon run as well. Again, I test results-wise, she has been better than Andrescu this season. And yet, there's a desperation Andrescu's going to have to play with. And I'm really excited to see what that brings out of her on court because she is defending points. This is you know a huge moment in her career, so I'm interested in that one. Obviously, the Kostyuk soccer is the Gruskin special, right, Jamie? I mean, just that match, Marta Kostyuk, I think, is one of the most talented young players on tour. I just think, again, you'll see her power tennis give soccer all sorts of fits, and soccer has really struggled. Another player, much like Kuder Matova, dominated the first third of the season, has struggled to find her form really since that French Open that was hers to have. She could have won that event, Jamie. Um, but I do think this is an interesting section of the draw. 100%. Yeah. And that's where I started with. To me, it makes it so exciting because it starts on such a high note, right? For Barty, I think it's going to get a little, I think it's going to take a little bit longer to, for me to really get interested in that quarter. Cause like I said, a lot of it is sort of late stage developments out of some first rounds. This quarter, right off the bat, right? The, the, uh, I don't know, these matchups are really interesting. And like you mentioned, there are some big time seeds and somebody like Andrescu who is in some trouble right off the bat. So hundred percent with you on that one. And, and I, I don't know. I'm excited to see how this one plays out for sure. Yeah, you also get a bunch of Americans in this section. Mm -hmm. Katie McNally, wild yep. card. Katie Volleynets, wild card. You've got Ashlyn Kruger, the girls' 18 San Diego champion in this section as well. Amanda Nisimova. And so it's certainly interesting. Now, again, we've mentioned the seeds. Any of them for you on Upset Alert in particular? Yeah, we've mentioned a couple of them already. Uh, Sakari, the 17 seed, and Andrescu, the 6 seed, both on my list. The only other one that we've only briefly touched on just uh, by nature of mentioning her first-round match is Ostapenko. Um, and again, it's a high 20s seed, so how much of this do you really define as a big upset? I don't know. But the 27 seed, Ostapenko, taking on Podoroska, who will give her a tough challenge. Um, Ostapenko still going to be favored in that one, and I would take her if I had to. But Ostapenko, how many times have we seen her just come out and not look her best at all. And when that level dips, somebody like Podoroska, who's going to make you work for these points and make you execute and finish properly, uh, it's just not a good matchup that you want to have. So just a tough out there. But again, Ostapenko would be 
I mean, in somewhat danger, but uh, I wouldn't color it red. Maybe orange. No, it's it's a good call. I mean, if Ostapenko's clicking on her second serve return, she's going to win 0-0. If she's not, she could lose 0-0. Like, it's going to be that sort of match. I very much agree with you there. And so that's one you have circled. The, I, we could call it the Petra Marcic Memorial upset spot in the first round because I, that's when you just circle right away, right? I know Del Magalfi, former top junior in the world. Uh, certainly that's a match Marcic can and should win, but even you look immediately after that, the winner of Volinets Tomjanovic, that's a tough match. And so I think that's a seed on upset alert for sure as well. You already mentioned Sakari. We've already talked about Andrescu. On the flip side, the dark horses, I think... The obvious case is Victoria Golubic. Where are you at with Amanda Nisimova? Because I still continue to think, and I point back to that Miami match she played against Bianca Andreescu. Her best is still really freaking good. And, I mean, she's not even 21 years old. It just feels like she's become an afterthought as so many of these other young players have emerged. But her peak is still right there, Jamie. She's absolutely a dark horse in this section. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just one of those where, and again, you could you could sort of mimic this story for so many different players in the draw, but it's just like, I don't know where your level's at right now, right? It's like, yes, I've seen these peak levels. I've seen phenomenal matches, and you mentioned still so young, but again, that's sort of the name of the game on the WTA right now. How many young, talented players do we just have circled with question marks? So, you know, it, it seems almost unfair to throw her into that category because there's so many different players who are all grouped together like that but for me it's just so many question marks so again great to see her back at a major and have sort of a more high profile match right off the bat to, to test it a little bit um but again i just i don't feel confident in anything uh just because i haven't been able to see a really really high level recently yeah, it, it, that's a fair point. I look at this section of the draw. You know, Pavlochenkova has played well when she's played. She just hasn't played that frequently of late. And I do think this is my hottest take. But a dark horse to watch is Ashlyn Kruger. She is going to someday get an invitation to Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club, Jamie. She's just got the firepower. When she plays well, I don't care about the level. She can hang. And I don't—do I think she's going to even beat Smadova? No, probably not. But if she does, she could give Pavlochenkova all sorts of problems. You know, that's a name I, I would point out as a true dark horse. Sinyakova Sevastova is like the antithesis of the— it's what Petra Martic was before she was seeded, right? It's like, yeah. oh, you play Sevastova or Sinyakova, you're probably going to lose that second-round match. That's a tough one for you. Uh, so those are two players I would just circle as people who, if you see in the third or fourth round, despite not being seeded, I mean, they're in there. They're right there, two of the 40 top— Top 30 players right now uh, on the WTA Tour. And so those would be my dark horses, but this gets us to the predictions. And I do think this is a tricky section to pick because the moment you put expectations on Carolina Pliskova at a Grand Slam, we know how that goes. We saw Petra Kvitova's peak when she was in the Middle East earlier this season, but she struggled with injury since, and it was a stomach bug in Cincinnati. But do you really want to put your money in the Petra Kvitova basket? Maybe, maybe not. We haven't spoken about a player who is one of eight players in the world right now to be top 20 in both hold and break percentage. She's top 12 in terms of overall and individual 2021 ELO ratings here, according to the advanced metrics at Tennis Abstract. Of course, She's the 24th seed, and she's made quarterfinals at a, at a Grand Slam here this season in Paula Bedosa-Jaber. A lot of interesting selections to make here, Jamie. Which way are you going? 
Yeah, I know we're we're warning against it, but um, give me Pliskova still. Uh, I think it's <laughs> it's so tough because look, getting through that top half for her is still going to be a gauntlet. You mentioned it. Bedosa is right there. Uh, Pavlyuchenkova is right there if she's playing. Even a third round against Tomlanovich is not going to be easy. So she's definitely got a tough path. But again, it's the U.S. Open, so at a certain point, everyone does. If you want to advance um, into the second week at the least, but I, I think Pliskova is ready for it. I, I know this is something that was really tough for her even a few years ago right as soon as the expectations got there that's when things became troubling um and then there was this frustration of okay what are you doing at the majors why is this not happening and just you know that feedback cycle just starts to hurt more and more and more so i think we've bottomed out from that and we're coming up um i'm gonna say it'll play out differently so give me push throughout this quarter it's a great take and what was so enjoyable about wimbledon was it was the first time in five and a half years that she had no expectations entering a grand slam and she delivered jamie and mm-hmm. that was really really cool to see now the problem is there's a four next to her name now. There are yeah. expectations. People do think she's one of the top five favorites according to betting gods to win this event. I'm going to take Kvitova. I just feel like Kvitova's peak is still as good as anyone in the fields. And I liked what I saw through the first few rounds of Cincinnati. And I know she withdrew from a stomach bug. But she feels and seems relatively healthy entering this U.S. Open. And I just – I look at her section of the draw with – you know, Sakri's form a little bit shaky, and just that first bottom four section, Sevasova, Sinyakova, Kostyuk, Sakari, one of those four players would be her potential third-round opponent. They are going to beat up each other in those first two rounds on the way to get there. So I just think Petrick gets to that second week a little bit unscathed. I don't know what to think about Andrescu. You never know what to think about Ostapenko. I just like that section, how it plays out for Kvitova. She's the most consistent in what is a very inconsistent consistent you know high high ceiling low floor section of the draw i'm gonna bet on her to find that ceiling over the course of the first week i'm gonna have her knocking out paula bedosa as well bedosa is just such a tough out i think her versus pliskova would be a really fun fourth round match i'm gonna take bedosa to win that but i'm gonna take kvitova to knock her out so give me kvitova over bedosa who are you taking out of that bottom half pliskova over who jamie it's tough. Uh, well, Pliska was in the top half of her quarter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, it's tough, right? I always want to root for Kvitova, but it's it's so tough when I'm really – when I have something on the line and I'm watching her. It just it, – it's one of those players you watch and you're like, God, there's no control from the ground. It, it just – I don't know how to, else to explain it. It's incredible how she lands the ball she does, and she's phenomenal with the plus one and the power. But it's one of those where you're like, uh, don't miss, don't miss, right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, again, that's, that's just simply my outlook on tennis anyway, so we don't need to get in there uh bottom half of this one is interesting i don't think it's going to be andrescu even though she's the sixth seed you mentioned there's a lot of people who can be in there and beat each other up 100 agree with you i'm just going to pick one of the names that i feel good about at the moment it's sinyakova give me her um she'll come out of the bottom she'll play pliskova pliskova beats her I am so jealous of your Pagula and Sinyakova takes. Those are the two best takes that we've heard thus far. Got to get um, bold, Gruskin. Yeah, no, that's, it's a good offset for, for uh, the two of us today. But with that in mind, let's move into perhaps the most interesting section of the draw. That's the Naomi Osaka section, and we already talked about it at the top. We both agree when Naomi Osaka plays her best tennis on a hard court, it's better than anyone else's on the WTA Tour. Case in point, she's your 2020 U.S. Open champion. 
She's your 2021 Australian Open champion. And yet, you look at this section of the draw, Jamie, tricky, tricky section for Osaka. You look at the seeds she'd match up with. You're not terrified by number five seed Alina Svitolina, but as you move elsewhere to the draw, you've got Daria Kasakina, Elena Rybakina, Simona Halep, Angelique Kerber, Coco Goff, Yulia Putin-Seva is your seed as well. You've got Canada champion Camila Georgie in your section of the draw. You've got Anaconia, Leila Fernandez lingering in your immediate section of the draw. You might have to play one of them, but you know, by the third round, this is tricky from a seed standpoint. There's a lot of talent here. What are the first round matches you're watching most closely? Yeah, hundred percent. I think I've got three written down that I think are really um, the ones that I'm going to want to focus on as much as possible. Georgie and Halep. Um, mm-hmm. Again, just because it's it was great to see that really high level from Georgie. I mean, it, we've been waiting for that for so long, right? We we know that. She just couldn't keep it up consistently, right? You would you would have her go through a stretch of three or four games where you're like, this is show-stopping tennis, where she could slap and do incredible things, but couldn't always put it together. That run to take that title was phenomenal. So I, I think she's hit a really good level. Halep has been a little more quiet, but obviously it's Simona Halep. So that's number one for me. Kerber and Yastrzemska I think is interesting. And then uh, I have to include this just because it's a little sad more than anything, but Keys and Stevens is a first-round match at the U.S. Open. Like, yeah. Eh. That hurts, but still entertaining, 100%. No, it's a former final at the yeah. event. So, yeah, <laughs> no, it's a first certain, round. And it's like a justified first round. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you can't say either of them deserve to be seated. Like, Sloan Stevens, I think, is 65 in the rankings right now, Jamie. She might be the best 65 ever. Um, but you look right now, you know, two other matches I would call out. Layla Fernandez versus Ana Konya. You know that's a Gruskin special. Fernandez, the talented young Canadian. Konya, former top 20 player in the world, still coming back from injury. I honestly think Osaka versus Buzkova is a pretty fun first test as well because we'll get to see Osaka's form, right? Buzkova is going to make her work. This is an interesting section. As you mentioned, the Yastrzemska Revenge Tour is the thing I'm monitoring most closely here down the home stretch of 2021. I just think she's got that sort of FU attitude in her game that makes it must-see TV. Even when it's going awry, it's incredibly compelling. But I think this is a section that gets even more interesting as you project moving forward, right? You've got a Coco Goff potentially third-round matchup against Angelique Kerber. You've got a potential fourth-round Goff-Osaka sort of battle. You've just got, you know, obviously Halep-Georgie, but Rabakina as a third-round opponent is not a walkover for either of those players if the seeds hold up. This is a really, really interesting section. So again, seeds on upset in your alert in your mind i i could argue maybe here it's none of them and that's why this is so intriguing because outside of georgie halep which i don't even know if that's an upset at this point um this these third round fourth round matchups in this section are particularly compelling yeah i I, so to answer the question i will still stick with that as an upset because yes georgie had a phenomenal tournament but is she going to be able to keep that up and you're going up against simona halep somebody who is incredibly well versed when it comes to the majors so to me that's still a, a fairly large upset so I've, i do have her on upset alert the 12 seed simona Halep, and then also the 16 seed uh kerber i mean i think y- you mentioned it already she's going up against yastrimska uh, and yeah this section of the draw is fascinating because there are so many you know look we talked about it how many times oh there's so many talented players yes that's true but specifically in this section how many 
accomplished players there are. I mean, we're talking about Simona Halep and then Kerber. And then we're also talking about, you mentioned it, a former U.S. Open finals matchup there. I mean, it's just, there's so much experience and talent all wrapped up in this tiny little part of the draw. So I'm really interested to see how it all breaks out. But yeah, Halep and Kerber got to be my two on offset alert. Is, is it fair to qualify Daria Kasakina as a dangerous dark horse? Because, I, you know, she's the 25 seed here in this event. She's won a couple of titles here this season. As I listed earlier, she's made a couple of finals as well. She's someone who has been top 10, has made a quarterfinal at the Slams earlier in her career. A bit of an outlier game as well. It's kind of Tommy Polish in that she can crank from the baseline when she wants to, but usually it's counterpunching. Usually it's using angles and slices and moving forward. And she's, you know, one of the best movers in the women's game. I would take her straight up over Svitolina right now. Like, I, I do think she mm-hmm. should make the fourth round of this event. And then, you know, her versus Rubakina, Georgia, Halep, even an Ann Lee, who's plenty dangerous in that section as well. And that would be a dangerous dark horse, too. When I look at the top section, is it fair to qualify Kasekina as a dark horse if I think she's capable of making the quarterfinals? Yeah, you know, how are we stretching the definition? I know usually we talk unseated, but no, I mean, 25 to go to the quarterfinals, like that is unexpected. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you. But I think in the same sort of breath, right? If you see Spitalina as your big seed in your draw, you're like, okay, cool, right? Like, that's not not a bad thing. It's not an intimidating, like, oh, damn, look at this. Like, no, you see Spitalina, you're like, yeah, I kind of like that as the five seed for me. And if I can win that and getting to the quarters. So, yeah, I'm with you there. It makes a lot of sense. And, yes, you know, especially by the numbers and by um, those seeds next to their name, 100% an upset, definitely a dark horse. And and I like that pick because I'm with you. I don't think Spitalina holds up and gets – I don't think she protects her seed. Yeah, and on the bottom half, I mean, all of them. Oh, Keys, God, I know. It's Stevens, Yastrzemska, I mean, Konya, Fernandez, Kanepi. I could even throw out some Kalnina or Meyer Sharif love. Like, you look at this section of the draw, I enjoy all of the matchups from a projection standpoint. Layla Fernandez, 50.5%. Ana Konya, 49.5%. That's your closest first round matchup, period, mm-hmm. uh, here in this 2021 U.S. Open. That's juicy. Like, this this is a really fun section of the draw. And so do not be surprised when we mini-break about this section each and every day, you know, that they that they play because this is going to be a lot of fun action. Again, Dark Horse is on the bottom half of the draw for you and then ultimately your prediction for how this one shakes out. Yeah, the bottom part of this is just so tough because if you look at all the names that you've got, I mean – I don't know if I specifically see somebody who is a dark horse coming through this bottom half. I I think if someone comes to the bottom half, it's going to be one of Kerber, Goff, um, or Osaka. So to me, I don't really see much room for a dark horse there. On the top half, yes, as we already talked about. But on the bottom half of this section specifically, I don't think I see a dark horse getting through one or multiple of those three names. This is that bottom half is the most loaded individual 16th or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got Osaka, Goff, Kerber, Keys, Stevens, literally Yastremska, Konya, Fernandez, Kanapi, Putin. Say, like, it, it's incredible. It really is an incredible section of the draw. That said, it, it's the section with Naomi Osaka. And I've said this in each and every preview podcast we've done. If Naomi Osaka makes the second week of the U.S. Open, she becomes my favorite. And I look at this section, 
Third round against a Konya. Honestly, any of those players. Konya, Fernandez, Kanepi, or Putin, Seva. That is a tricky third round matchup. That will be an excellent litmus text, excellent barometer for where Naomi Osaka is at in New York. That said... I'm taking Osaka to emerge out of this section. I think she is going to be battle-tested entering week two, and that is just the most dangerous place for Naomi Osaka to be in a hardcore Grand Slam because eventually in the course of those seven matches, she's going to find her best tennis. And when she does, I just think it's better than everyone else's. And so I'm going to take Osaka here in this section to advance. I'll say over... I mean, I want to pick Rabakina, but I did the whole Kasakina rant, so I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to go Daria Kasakina. I'll take Osaka over. Nah, I'll take Rabakina. I've been on the Rabakina bandwagon for a while. I'm going to stick with it. She's a PTP. Primetime performer. Give me Osaka over Rabakina. Her power wins out over Kasakina in the end in what should be a really fun fourth round matchup. But I just think Naomi will find it in the course of this section. I'll take her over the big hitting Rabakina. Yeah, I've got Osaka as well. Uh, I think it's going to be Osaka over Halep coming out of the top part. Um, and there we go. And unfortunately, that's a bunch of top seeds. But again, this gets back to what we were speaking about right at the beginning is all of this craziness, yet there's still a few at the top who we expect to perform. Um, and so, yes, there is all of these weird scrambled you know, people, dark horses who we kind of expect, even though the numbers and the seeds don't line up that way. Yet at the end of the day, we still expect Ash Barty and Osaka to be the ones who are commanding at the top. So it's, it's an odd time. And Again, it's the WTA, so one tiny thing could happen, ripple effect, and the entire draw is blown up. But again, I I think I have to stick with it at this point and and put Osaka through. We've done multiple pod sections on why Simona Halep's the most underrated player, perhaps, in WTA Tour history, why she doesn't get the respect she deserves as not the elite of the elite. It's not the Celis, Serena, Navratilova, Graf, Everett category. It's... But it's around the Venus Sharapova-ish. Like, it's around that range in sustained excellence plus the strength of her peak. Anyways, all of that is to say we're we're Simona Halep fans. I I think we're fans of every player at this point. You're not going to find me, you know, talking negatively about many of them. But the point being, I would not make that Halep prediction. I'm curious why you see her quarterfinals. I mean, at this point, I think it just comes down to experience and being able to just pull out matches. No, I, I don't have great confidence in specifically like, oh, yes, her form has been, you know, up here. No, that's that's not really where that's coming from. I just think when you look at that top half, you know, who who, who is really going to give her the most trouble? I mean, you've mentioned people like Kasakina, like Rabakina. Okay, yeah, I, I see you there. There's also a potential that Spitalina is the one that she has to run into. To me, though, I just like Halep being able to say, hey, yeah, I've been here before. Let me advance through this. Because she, especially if somebody is trying to make that late stage when it's a big time for them to do so in their career, they maybe haven't gone there before or at least not very often. Halep's like, yeah, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to make you beat me, right? Like, I'm going to grind you down. Sure, if you can if you can hang with me from the baseline and rip winners from behind that baseline, fine. That's okay. I just don't see it going down that way. And personally, I think she's going to be able to wear a lot of people out. And I think it's worth you know, pointing out you have her going to the quarterfinals, not winning the event. And yeah, yeah. I, you're right. The idea of her doing that four times in a row could absolutely seeing it happen. Seven? I don't think she's got seven in her right now. Not, And that's not to be diminishing. I think she could in 2022, just not right now. 
Yeah, and, and I think you mentioned it's not only is it four, it's the first four. So yeah. it's not going to be, you don't have to do that. Again, I'm not seeing her doing that against Osaka and then doing it against Barty, to, and like going through all the way through the draw. I, I don't see that one happening. It still could just because it's Halep and she can do these yeah. things. But no, I don't expect that to happen. I would expect her to get there and then lose to Osaka in, in a tough match. Yeah, no, she was the grinder that this previous generation of players needed to match up against. She was always the fun contrast. And so I agree. I just hope she's healthy throughout this tournament yeah. even if she doesn't make it past that georgie match but we move to our final section the sabalanka section the sabalanka section i know i've called the osaka section the most interesting and it probably is but when you look at the seeds in this section of the draw wide open you've got 2021 french open champion number eight seed barbara krechikova you've got Perhaps the hottest player on the WTA Tour right now in 2016, Danielle Collins. You've got Own Jabour, who has been, by every metric, a top 10 player here this year. You've got Elisa Mertens. You've got Vika Azarenka. You've got Katarina Alexandrova. And then, of course, you've got Garbine Muguruza in this section as well. Of all of the sections in the draw, this is the one where I hope the seeds hold for the longest. Because the idea of each of these matchups, Krejcikova Alexandrova, Vika versus Muguruza, Mertens versus Shabur, Collins versus Sabalenka, sign me up for those third round matchups right now, Jamie. I know we got to talk best first rounds at some point, but that's my take on this section. Curious your thoughts. Yeah, I'm probably not quite as high on this section as you are, and that's that's fine. Um, I would say, at least looking at the first round specifically, the number one for me is Jabour and Cornet. Um, I, I think that Cornet has been in really good form. And talk about someone who's just going to grind and make you work, and she's obnoxious to play against. You can hear her every single point. <laughs> I think right now she's battling in a final against Svitolina after you know making a really good run through Chicago's draw, taking out people like Von Drusova. So she, she's in good form, so I really like that one. Um, if I had to pick one first-round match to focus on, it would be that one. There, there are a couple others, Bekic, Muguruza, Mladenovic, Kanta. Those interest me, but I think Jabor Cornet are the ones that are, is the one that I have to circle. See, I don't love this section first round matchups wise. Like that, I, that, That's I, would what I'm saying, those no, I agree. I agree with you. No, I agree with your point. Is it's not about the first round for me. It's about this one moving forward. And I do like the Krejcikova Sharma matchup. I just think that one's fun from a viewing standpoint. I do like Navarro Mikhail. Emma Navarro, of course, the NCAA champion out of Virginia, taking on veteran American Christina Mikhail. But you're right. Like from a first round standpoint. You're talking yourself into a lot of these matches. Like, Begu, Petkovic, they've both been playing well, but, like, whatever. Like, no disrespect to either of them. Like, yeah, Muguruza Vekic could be good. It could also be awful. Like, and so that's a high-ceiling, low-floor sort of match. And so, I mean, Peterson, Rebecca Peterson versus Mertens, those are two players who high-floor match, but rather low-ceiling Um yeah, I, I agree with you. I, it's not the first-round matchups that make me interested. It's the third and fourth-round matchups because when you start to look at the seeds on upset alert, Jamie, I don't have many of them. Like, maybe Alexandrova, like, because Mladenovic, Kanta, Irani, those are all interesting matchups. Maybe, like, Muguruza first round or Merton's first round, but... I mean, Kaya Yuvan, I suppose, against Danielle Collins, that's a lot of firepower on one court. But, like, I do think this is a section where we could see the integrity of this draw hold for a while. 
Potentially, yeah. I mean, the, the I do have Jabour on there. I mean, she's had a really I mean, she shows a really high level, and she should be able to just hit Cornet off the court, honestly. Um, but that's just not all the way it always goes, right? So no, I mean, in terms of people I see getting upset, I, I, like you mentioned, I mean, it's 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 relatively safe for seeds. I mean, I think Muguruza could be in a dangerous spot just by nature of who she is. We'll talk about this on the men's side, but it's like, you know, you see somebody and you just see their name and you're like, well, you might get upset just because you might not show up on that day. You might not have a good day. Um, and so that's really why she's on that list. Not because I think Donna Vekic has earned the like, oh man, she's going to go upset a nine seed. It's not really where I see that, but yeah, it's, it, it's an odd section of the draw. Um, and especially when we talk about like room for unseated players to go far i i kind of throw my hands up in the air on this one it's it's tough i'd go kai yvonne like she is belinda benchich but a little more fluid a little bit smaller but a little more fluid and she has that firepower super top ranked junior super super talented again danielle collins is a second round opponent it's just super tough but like that's the the one and then i guess a clicking kiki like if she's in the third round is that I guess a dark horse run sort of but no I agree with you I think this one goes really chalk now where this gets so interesting and we can move beyond the dark horses is just to get into the predictions for this section because this is an open section Krejcikov has been the most consistent of the group Sabalenka's flashed the highest upside of the group Garbin Muguruza was the best players on hard best player on hard courts through the first third of this 2021 season we saw Vika get on a run, make a run in New York last year. Owen Jabour's been a top 10 player. I made all of these cases already. I'm fascinated to hear which way you're going with this section because, to be honest, I haven't even made my choices. I'm going to make it up after I hear yours. Yeah, this is tough. Um, I, I think normally, I mean, you know me, and I love watching Azarenka. I know what she can do. I have zero confidence um, based on what I saw in Cincinnati from her. I mean, she won, what, like two games against Ash Barty? I mean, she got destroyed. And it could, it honestly could have been O&O. Like, she was lucky to get a game in that. Um, so that's a little disappointing for me because I do think that the draw lines up really nicely for her. Um, but unfortunately, I, I, just, I feel like I have to stay away from that one. So for me, the way this one goes, Yes, I think I already listed Jabor as potentially having a tough first round. But to me, I think she's going to get through it and she'll be fine. And I actually think she will get all the way until that Sabalenka match. And that's the one where right now I'm trying to decide in my head. Uh, you took me out of whirlwind there. I thought you were going to be, and she'll get all the way to the semi. I was like, Jabor, so I was like, Jamie, you are in prime form today. I was about to, I was, I mean, you're going to lose it. You yeah. haven't heard, you haven't heard my whole answer because I am <laughs> going to take Jabor to beat Sabalenka um, and go through. So that will be the bottom half of this section. Jabor will take out Sabalenka. Then from the top side, she'll play one of, I mean, let's say Muguruza or Kredge. Give me Jabour. Jabour to advance. Wow, I think I just bullied you into that pick. Who are you no. taking? Are you taking the uh, Bean or Krejcikova? Uh, you know, it's it's hurt me before. It'll hurt me again. Give me Muguruza. Yeah. I don't care, I don't care though, because I'm taking Jabour to beat her. So I, I feel like I have less stake in this one. So I have a couple of things to go on this one. As a student of the Arena Sabalenka school of play, as you know, um, Jabour's just a good matchup for her. Because Jabour doesn't hit the ball quite big enough to really hurt Sabalenka. So Sabalenka can get to everything. And I think Sabalenka kind of likes the creativity that Jabour plays with and likes mixing things up and just, you know, the ability to play big and getting looks off the slices. And so 
I think Sabalenka wins that match. I think the tough, you know, Collins and her, that is going to be first strike tennis. That is going to be change balls every three games, please, because they're going to be hitting the cover off of it. I think Sabalenka advances out of the bottom section. I'm going to make the plunge this tournament as well. You got burned by it at Wimbledon. I'm going to get burned by it here if it happens. I'm going Bean. Give me Garbine Muguruza to advance out of this section. She beat Sabalenka twice on hard courts in three sets in the Middle East. Krejcikova is a really tough match because Krejcikova has been the most consistent of the group. But does Krejcikova have the weapon to hurt Garbine Muguruza with that overwhelming weapon over the course of a two out of three set match if Garbine can get to that round? I don't think so. I do think Garbine's peak on a hard court has been the highest in this section of the draw. And I'm going to bet on her finding that peak here. I said it at the beginning of the season. I think she was going to win a Grand Slam in 2021. Give me Muguruza over Sabalenka, three-set match in the quarterfinals, but I'm making the plunge, Jamie. I'm going to go Muguruza. What do you think about that? I mean, I hope it works out better for you than it does me. But no, I mean, look, you also just got to remember, in Cincinnati, Muguruza and Krejcikova just played, and it was a crazy tight match. So um, I think it would be really fun to see that one happen again, but yeah, Best of, luck, best of luck to you. I've been there. I've been burned on it because when you see Muguruza play at that top level, it is so enticing. You're like, oh my God, she's just that good. And then she has one off match and that's all it takes. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, here's the thing. Despite all of the losses, she's still one of three players to be top 15 in both hold and break percentage. That's how good she was at the start of the year. And honestly, that's how close she's been in her losses this year. It just feels like there have been some injuries, some starting, some stopping. I'm betting on her finding that peak better man good stuff i'm yeah. happy i'm happy for it i hope she does i'm again how many times have we gone through this where i'm like i'm taking muguruza and you know just kills me but no i mean i love watching her play and she's very fun to see succeed right she's one of those players you always want to root for you've seen her be at the very very top of the game and take home these major titles and, and yeah I, I mean again i'm gonna be rooting for it. it's it's kind of for me it's kind of like when i see Kvitova play it's like Unless I have something invested, like I'm always going to be taking her and, and rooting for her. It's just how many times have I said it and been burned? It's like I, at some point I got to just back off it until it That's happens right. and then I, I can be happy. I appreciate you being happy for me, though. That's really all that matters. And we look here, some final predictions before we wrap this women's singles draw preview. You look now, again, your semifinals. You've got Barty versus Pliskova, one versus four. You're channeling your inner Matt Sikowiak. You've got on the bottom half, Jabour taking on Naomi Osaka. Uh, give me your final give me your champion here at the 2021 u.s open yeah i mean unfortunately i think it's barty and osaka and barty wins i think it's it it comes it comes down to it being that boring but again that's what we talked about they're the two favorites for a reason and whatever mess happens underneath them i think that they should still be at a high enough level to take care of whatever comes their way so give me barty over osaka to win the u.s open I really want to take Muguruza oh, so badly. Tempting, I, I, she had the match points over Osaka in Australia. She was right there with her. I'm sticking with my thing, though. I said it after Australia. I said it after the U.S. Open last year. I meant it. I'm picking Naomi Osaka at every hard court event until she loses at two of them in a row. And she's won the last two. And I just think if she gets to the finals, as we're both projecting her to do, 
how does she lose that match at that point? Like, that means she's playing her best tennis. That means she's found something on the serve. That means she's clicked, you know, from a, a mentally on the court as well over the course of the two weeks. And it's just her peak is better than everyone else's peak. So I'm going to stick with Osaka over Barty in the final, the flip side, I suppose, of you there. I just think those are the two players. They're, they are a clear step ahead of the field right now, both in experience and in terms of peak level of play, or one or the other. And I just, that I, I do agree with you. I think that's the final. I hope that's the final as well, because boy, would an Osaka-Barty rivalry emerging over the next few years be fun and crucial for the WTA Tour. But I agree with you. I'll take Osaka over Barty. Should be, though, very, very fun two weeks of New York. And with all that said, of course, if you missed any of our preview podcasts, you can find them all on the Great Shot podcast feed. Jamie and I will be back here to do the same exercise for the men's singles draw as well. But with that in mind, Jamie, any final thoughts on this 2021 U.S. Open women's singles competition? Excited to get it kicked off. And uh, look, if we have an unseated player win the tournament, then just everything we just said was a waste of time. But hey, that's fine. It's a fun exercise nonetheless. Yeah, no, listen to the Dark Horse podcast if you want to hear more about that. But no, with all that said, then for super producers, Max Leader and Daniel Westhoff, who as always have a <laughs> of an editing job to do for my fantastic co-host, James Foster McDonald. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You have been listening to our 2021 US Open Cracked Rackets Women Singles Draw Preview. Thank you.